This is the Movie Hall of Fame for Thursday, October 24th, 2019, Class of 1962 edition, Adam Hall. Nico DiGregorio. It's good to be back. How's it going, man? Sorry, I have to stretch. <laughs> Take your time. Uh, On your schedule, sweetheart. Oh, this is a long stretch. Give me another five minutes. Uh, okay, I'm good. Did we just, like, got attacked by a swarm of birds? There are hundreds of birds outside. <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of birds. I've never seen anything like that before. No. Actually, I have. It was called The Birds by Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> it looks just like that outside. It's actually kind of creepy. It's, yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not, uh, I don't feel good about walking outside after this. Yeah, dude. Like, would you rather fight a thousand birds or a cougar? Hmm. Well, the birds can get everywhere. Very, right. very easily. You know, it's like flying piranhas. Right. You don't, you don't want that. You don't want that. <laughs> they got the aerial advantage <laughs> exactly. on you. You it's, don't want that. It's proven very bad for James Cameron. So yeah. <laughs> we, don't, we don't want any flying piranhas. Yeah, I don't think I could deal with something that flies. Yeah, no. As long as it's like bound by gravity, I'm okay with it. Bound by gravity? Yeah, the second that, you know, your spiders start flying and your snakes start flying, that's... Really, when the horror begins. Well, you say that as like someone like who, like like climbing something. Yeah, that that's your that's your go to thing. But like certain animals are that might seem bound by gravity are actually remarkable climbers, like bears. I always love these stories of people who are like, I can run away from a bear. I'll just I'll just you know bear hug my way up a tree, oh. and then you forget the fact that bear hug is a term for a reason. <laughs> I put the pieces together <laughs> as you go. A joke is always better when you put it together yourself. You know what I mean? It's like a choose your own adventure book. It's just more satisfying that you let me do the work on my own. Well, I'm glad you got so much out of it. <laughs> All right. I want to talk about the films in 1962, and we're going to get there. But first, uh, we need to do this under the Silver Lake thing now. <laughs> I, Let's just do it. You know, Let's I kn- get it out of the way. I, 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 I knew he was going to bring this up. We you know, need to do this. You know, I didn't want to talk about it. You know, I'm. I'm. You know, why do you have to bring this up? Because it's only healthy for our friendship that we air the grievances now. Maybe I'm ashamed, Nico, and I just want to keep it to myself and not have to talk about it. You know, I'm putting I, a I, giant I, scarlet it's, letter it's, right I, on your I'm, fucking I'm, chest, Adam Hall. It's just you know, it's 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 embarrassing. This is happening. Yeah, okay. You liked Under the Silver Lake. I loved Under the Silver oh, Lake. Oh no! <laughs> I love the fuck out of this movie. Make the case. Oh God! Make the case. It's one of the most entertaining films I've seen this year. I, think, I mean, that's not saying much, but yes, it is entertaining. Yeah. I think Andrew Garfield is awesome in it. I think uh, <laughs> the weird supporting characters are, are uh, wonderful. Like? Uh, his, his best friend is uh, the weirdo. I don't know his name. He's in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, uh, Jimmy Simpson. Yeah. I love, I love him in pretty much everything he's in. T- Topher Grace, for whatever the fuck he's doing in this movie, <laughs> is, is pretty nice. Couldn't tell you. Uh, uh, Riley Keough. Is, is is beautiful, beautiful as always. Quite quite stunning. Yeah, and you know, just a plethora of weirdos. Very reminiscent of the Big Lebowski. I I agree with people. I'm sorry, I just do. Uh, I think the the movie. <laughs> it's about meaninglessness. Yes. Yeah. In a lot of ways, it's it's about, but it's also about you know. 
telling people who worry so much about analyzing the shit out of things to just calm down and not worry anymore. That's true. I, I appreciate that a lot. I like, That's part of the intent, yes. I like the <laughs> I like the note that the film ends on in that way. And it's satisfying. And I see a lot of myself in that character. <laughs> I see a lot of a lot of people I know in that character. Uh so so the movie in general is highly relatable, as strange as it is. I think it's charming as hell. Uh, for being like two and a half hours, it moves like that. And yeah, I can't recommend it to anybody. <laughs> I won't recommend it to anybody. That's a glowing endorsement. I know. Yeah. I fucking loved it, but you'll hate it. Yes. That's what you just said. Uh, yes, exactly. I think every this is a film <laughs> destined to be hated by pretty much everybody. So, and that's okay. That's okay. It's a me movie. It, but one thing it's it's certainly certainly not is a you movie. No. Through and through. And we kind of had a discussion about this. Well, you brought up a great point when we were texting, because I was very upset with you <laughs> over text this week. <laughs> You said to me, you have just a natural aversion to anything slightly hipster. Even slightly. If there is a tinge of hipster, you you automatically reject it. And that's certainly the case. Yeah. You're like you're like uh, a person from the South, a racist person in the God, South. Stop right now. In the nineteen fifties. Stop right now. You just you stop it. <laughs> I, think I won't it, hear this. I think it's very accurate. Like, do not compare me to the fucking Dixiecrats, dude. I am comparing you. Do to, not. I think it's. I think it's an apt comparison, just with your general attitude for, towards it. Like you don't even give it a fair chance. The difference between racists in the South <laughs> and people that hate hipsters is that hipsters have it coming to them. <laughs> That's the difference. It's very simple. My hatred is justified. Okay, my my hatred is purely justified. This movie's total fucking bullshit. I, you are one hundred percent right. This movie is about crazy white dudes that love to analyze hidden messages in movies, television shows, and music. And the problem is, in satirizing those people, it's creating another two and a half hour steaming pile of horseshit. It's creating the very thing it's satirizing, which is in a bloated, overwrought piece of dreck that's just dripping. With pretentiousness. Uh-huh. It is in and of itself a thing without meaning that people should not be appreciating, celebrating, or analyzing. So it falls flat in that respect. It satirizes it while also being that very thing. And that's what frustrated the hell out of me. That scene with the songwriter, where Andrew Garfield shoots the songwriter in the head for no goddamn reason. He doesn't shoot be- him in the head. He be- beats the shit out of him with a guitar. Okay, because he... <laughs> Because he wrote the lyrics to I Want It That Way. To everything. Ah! Such bullshit, dude. Like, every scene in this movie was written while David Robert Mitchell was high. (laughs) Every scene. Maybe? I don't know. And the ending is so worthless. The ending is worthless. No. Like, for you love to rag on us or whatever. You did not like us. You didn't like the ending of us. You didn't like the message behind us. This is worse. Maybe. This is... <laughs> I mean, you just said it's about something, so therefore it, I can't rightfully say it has no meaning. Isn't by saying it's about something saying it has meaning? The meaning is it has no meaning. I don't necessarily agree with that. that that's the meaning. The meaning is, wow, movies don't mean anything after all. What's wrong with that? Because I just spent two and a half hours watching a movie! So what? So make it mean something. <laughs> Don't just throw a bunch of stupid half-baked ideas at me mm. like I'm sitting around smoking weed with you. 
They don't feel hacked fake Pass to me. Pass the ball, bro. Nah. That's what this movie was. I'm sitting in David Robert Mitchell's living room. We're listening to old records on vinyl. <laughs> There's movie posters all over the place. And he's like, hey, want to take a hit off the bong? Let me tell you something about playing Sergeant Pepper backwards. <laughs> Fuck off, dude. This movie's awful. See, the problem is it's too much about people like us. So it's hard for me to really like rag on it because it's like, yeah, no, I agree with everything the movie's saying about people like us. So it's like, yeah, no, <laughs> at the end of the day, I don't think it's necessarily about movies as a whole or music as a whole. It's more, I think it's more about the people that are just completely full of shit. Because a lot of people in this movie are completely, yes. utterly full of shit. Yes. And that's okay. I don't mind that. The movie humors them, though. <laughs> the movie deeply humors them, and well, that bothers me. It's a it's a movie about people made by people. What do you expect? It's okay. What a fucking waste. No. What a waste no. of great talent. No, I, I disagree. David Robert Mitchell can direct. Directs know the that. shit out of this movie. It's Look, it, it looks, looks beautiful. Pretty. Yes, it's a pretty looking movie with nothing under the surface. It's an empty pile of dreck. Keep telling yourself that. I think Under the I, Silver Lake. I think you're dead wrong. What was up with the dogs? <laughs> the dog murderer? Yeah. Who the hell knows? Oh my God, that ending was so cringe. It's weird. So it's, cringe. It's just weird. The webcam talk with the girl. <laughs> oh, that part of the ending. Yeah, that was bizarre. Yeah. I watched the laundromat, by the way. Yeah, and that looked that actually looked bad, apparently. <laughs> Objectively. Uh, I don't think it's objectively bad. Mm. Um, I think that Soderbergh, I don't necessarily want to say he lost his fastball, but I do think the guy is churning through movies at an unhealthy rate these days. Yeah. I think it would do him a lot of good to be a little more selective with the material and to actually spend time boring down into a subject because a lot of these movies kind of feel half-baked and that's what the laundromat felt like well, i don't know i feel that way about <clears throat> most of soderbergh's films of the past couple of years yeah he hasn't made a memorable film in a long time and we had to point that out yeah um i think haywire is his best movie of the decade uh i mean side effects was fine contagion's pretty good um i liked logan lucky but I wouldn't say that Logan Lucky is a particularly memorable film. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this one just felt a little empty mm-hmm. and also overwrought with satire and commentary. Okay. There's a lot of social and political commentary yeah. here to the point where the ending breaks the fourth wall and is physically shaking you and telling you this is what we believe and this is what you need to stop because there's evil in this world. Well, that sucks. Yeah. Uh, it's way heavy handed. Meryl's fun in it. Uh, Antonio Banderas and Gary Oldman are having a good time. I wouldn't call them great in the movie, but they sort of narrate the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of fourth wall breaking there, and they're certainly having fun. They're hamming it up. Yeah. And it's funny at times. Like, there's excellent craft in there, but it's basically a less coherent version of the big short. Yeah. But even more heavy handed with its political commentary. Which is shocking. Yeah. Given how absolutely heavy-handed that thing is right but that movie's at least fun right uh also kind of unlike soderbergh because I, I i don't feel like soderbergh has a lot of like explicitly political movies in his no. filmography <sighs> traffic i, I guess say, does traffic count yeah in a way traffic little... aaron brockovich kind of those are about a bit more than just the politics though right you know sort of what the politics do to us as people yes so that's why they're interesting yeah 
this one's crazy. It's a big swing, but I, I would call it a miss, unfortunately. Um, I, I wouldn't recommend that you don't see it, though. Like, you can watch it. It's on Netflix. You can see it for free. I don't think anybody's going to see it, though. Yeah. High Flying Bird is better. Okay. Better Soderbergh movie from this year. Another thing that people have not seen. Yeah. So, But people should see it. That's a good movie. You said it's just a basketball movie, though, that if you don't get basketball, why watch it? This is an excellent point. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you'll take away from that movie. This is the thing. I, I, don't, I don't like basketball. I straight up do not like basketball. Right. And I like some sports, but that's not one of them. Yeah. So I... Uh, <laughs> it's very deep, deep basketball. There's is, a lot. Is it like similar in the way that like um, 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 rounders is similar to poker? Or yes. Relates to poker? Yeah, this is even more in the weeds. Because really? they don't hold your hand. Rounders at least like has the voiceover being like, this is what an ante is. This is what a big blind is. This is who we call the fish and who we call the sharks. I would hate High Flying Bird. Yeah. High Flying Bird like just spends a, a decent portion of that movie talking about like television rights to like, basketball <laughs> games. <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, Kyle McLaughlin plays the commissioner of the NBA. It's pretty sick. That's pretty I cool. love that movie! Okay, anything with Kyle McLaughlin in it should be seen. Great script. A lot of fun. All right. All right. Maybe. Uh, let's talk about 1962. Yeah. Six movies nominated for induction into the Movie Hall of Fame. By the way, your boy here has the power. Yeah, that's true. That's right. I forgot about that. I didn't. Here are your nominees. <laughs> Dr. No, the Manchurian Candidate, Lolita, To Kill a Mockingbird, The Longest Day, and Lawrence of Arabia, one of these six movies, into one. the Movie Hall of Fame. Only one. Yeah. Pretty good year, you think? Very good year. Yeah. I, ooh. Hmm. This is a good list. It's <laughs> a good list. Highest grossing movie of that year was? I, I don't know. Lawrence of Arabia. Yes. <laughs> Followed by, surprisingly enough, The Longest Day. Really? Oh, interesting. Number three, In Search of the Castaways, a Disney film. Okay. Four, That Touch of Mink. And five, The Music Man. Uh, okay. A movie that I was forced to watch in middle school and I couldn't fucking stand it. No shit. I was actually in a, a Music Man play. Oh, no. When I was a kid, yeah. What did you play? I, oh, I, was, I, I played a, a little, like, trumpet boy. Of course you did. Yeah, figures. Did you need the word little at the beginning? Yeah, exactly. You couldn't have just said I'm a no, trumpet boy. No, no. Well, what, what else was I going to well, be? Well, the little is self-evident. It's my fault. Aw, he's an asshole, guys. Uh, at the Oscars, your nominees <laughs> for Best Picture. Uh, to Kill a Mockingbird, Mutiny on the Bounty, The Music Man. Oh, my God. The Longest Day, and your winner, Lawrence of Arabia. David Lean takes home for uh, Best Director for Lawrence of Arabia. Gregory Peck. Wins Best Actor for To Kill a Mockingbird. Anne Bancroft wins Best Actress for The Miracle Worker. Ed Begley wins Best... Is that That's not Ed Begley Jr., right? I don't think so. Yeah, that wouldn't have made much sense. Wins Best Supporting Actor for Sweet Bird of Youth. And Patty Duke wins Best Supporting Actress for The Miracle Worker. Mm -hmm. The Helen Keller movie. Hmm, all right. Didn't even know that was a thing. Mm -hmm. National Film Registry. Put in Lawrence of Arabia. The Manchurian Candidate, To Kill a Mockingbird, and then a bunch of other movies we did not nominate, including really? Days of Wine and Roses, the Marlon Brando film, How the West Was Won, the John Ford film, okay. The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, the other John Ford film. We should have put one of those in. Yeah, maybe. I'm just not a big John Ford guy. You're not a big John Ford guy? You're not like, a big Western guy, really. You like The Searchers? 
I don't. I that's another one I saw because the a- AFI Damn. list told me to see it. Damn. The Music Man, Ride the High Country, and that's it. Okay. Well, we did okay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. A couple other honorable mentions. Uh, Mutiny on the Bounty. Uh, actually, no. Days of Wine and Roses was not a Marlon Brando film. Mutiny on the Bounty was a Marlon Brando film. Uh, the original Cape Fear came out in 1962. That's right. Birdman of Alcatraz came out that year. And Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, which is not considered like a great movie, but it's kind of one of those B-movies that's gained notoriety over the years. Right. I have not seen the movie, but I have seen the miniseries about the making of that movie oh. called Feud, uh, Betty Davis versus Joan Crawford. All right. Is it good? Yeah. A lot of fun. All right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, Susan Sarandon's awesome in it. <laughs> Susan Sarandon is something else. I feel like when I think of fighting women, I think of Susan Sarandon doing something. You know who's great in that yeah. that show? Uh, Stanley Tucci. Oh, Stanley Tucci's in Tucci's it. Tucci's in it. Alfred yeah. Molina's in it. Ooh, that's a good cast. Yeah. All right. A lot maybe, of fun. Maybe I should see it. I should watch more HBO things. It's an FX thing. Oh. Yeah, it's very good. All right. So that year, the show gets into this. Betty Davis was nominated for Best Actress. Mm-hmm. Joan Crawford was not. So Betty Davis... And Joan Crawford hated each other on set of the movie. They they went at each other's throats like crazy. Out of jealousy, Joan Crawford devised this plot to embarrass Betty Davis on Oscar night because Betty Davis was considered like the front runner yeah. for the Oscar. So she goes around to all the other nominees, Catherine Hepburn, Geraldine Page, and Anne Bancroft, who ultimately wins the award. And uh, I guess Anne Bancroft was either sick that night or for so- somehow... She convinced uh, Anne Bancroft to miss the Oscars, and Joan Crawford accepts the award on her behalf as Betty Davis sits in the crowd embarrassed. It's this awesome, like, Hollywood story about cattiness, and that, it's it's just great. Oh, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good show. All right. It's a good show. Miniseries. Just like eight episodes or whatever. It's my kind of thing. I might like that. Yeah, it's good. Okay. Let's begin with Dr. No. Yeah. Directed by Terrence Young, based on the novel by Ian Fleming, starring Sean Connery, Ursula Andress, Joseph Wiseman, and Jack Lord. Number three is James Bond on AFI's Heroes list. And number 22 is the quote, Bond, James Bond, on their all-time movie quotes list. A resourceful British government agent seeks answers in a case involving the disappearance of a colleague and the disruption of the American space program. I nominated this film because it's the first James Bond movie, so how could you not include it? Yeah, of course. What did you think of it? <laughs> oh, on, on, on rewatch, because I hadn't seen it in a long time. Oh, I, I really like this movie. Mm. I've always really liked this movie. I was <laughs> like, yeah. Hello, old friend. <laughs> it was like that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, this is a charming little film. And uh, it's, uh, I don't know if there's anybody who's cooler than Sean Connery's James Bond, by the way. So I will not hear this discussion that <laughs> Daniel Craig is the best Bond. No. Because he's not. Sean Connery is the best Bond, and any other answer is just wrong. Yes. <laughs> Especially after even just watching this movie. Yeah, It's dude. just like the level of suave charm that this guy has, the, the, his, his just general charisma, and that, I mean, but also selling the, the tough guy and the spy. He's perfect. Yeah. He's absolutely perfect. The OG of swag. It's just, what do you want? Like, what else do you want? He's great. He's attractive. He's better looking, first of all, than any other James Bond, I think. 
probably. Is Pierce Brosnan maybe better looking? Maybe. He's maybe better looking, but he's not sexier. <laughs> yes, I agree with that. Right? Yeah, I agree with Connery, that. Connery, by far and away, sexiest Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty good action star. Yeah. But could also wink at the camera. Yes, that's the thing. You know? It, it's it's a weird sort of... Uh, um, uh, like control and what, what's the fucking word I'm work, looking for? Like confidence. Jesus yes. Christ. <laughs> Whatever. But yeah, no, just, just, I think he's, I, I don't know. He struck a nice, uh, a nice point with that character that I don't, I don't think anyone like got it the same way. Cause I feel like Roger Moore again goes far too hammy. And then Pierce Brosnan is almost too realistic. In a, at, he's kind of first, empty as a character, well, isn't he? Yeah, in a way, it's it's sort of dry for me. Yeah, and then Daniel Craig is always to me has always been really good and a bit more realistic, of course. But uh, kind of a different character, though, right? Yeah, it's it's definitely not the same. If we're trying to draw from the original template that they had set forth, I mean, and I I, I don't like being that person that said the original is always the best because you know you, you, it feels like feels like you're biased and you're not open to new things. But like honestly. Yeah, it's just it's just the way it is. Right. I'm not sure this is the best Bond movie. No, um, but I do think that this era of Bond, there is a delicate balance that they strike. Mm-hmm. Um, even if like the Craig movies as a whole are better, like Skyfall is perhaps a better movie than Goldfinger. Um, mm-hmm. But still, there is a charm and a winkiness and a self-awareness to these movies that doesn't exist anywhere else and if it does exist somewhere else it's just pure comedy sure and i think the ability to thread that needle is the key to what makes this movie so magical and why we're still making it today Mm -hmm. i was kind of surprised though because by the way this is the first time i saw this movie i was surprised how much was there right at the beginning what do you mean i was surprised that the music was the music ah and the opening was the opening and the opening's weird by the way yeah. Well, no, but like the the camera moving and Bond oh, from oh, the, the hip ca- and yeah, shooting yeah. the camera guy. Mm-hmm. Like that was there in the first movie. Yeah. The shaken not stirred was there in the first movie. Yep. The the quote was there, Bond, the catchphrase. Yep. Yeah, Spectre. Spectre, yeah. Is referenced in the very first movie. Mm-hmm. I was surprised like 24 movies deep. What are we going? It's it's going to be 25, 25 next. Yeah. yeah. It's all right there in the first. So yeah. they kind of figured it out right away. Mm-hmm. Um, they definitely softened it up for a mainstream audience. And I was oh, reading yeah. this after the fact as well in my research. Studios were very apprehensive because of the overt sexual nature of Bond. And they didn't want him to be such a womanizer and a hero at the same time. Mm-hmm. They didn't think that audiences would buy it. Um, and so uh, Terrence Young had this idea of maybe approaching it with more self-awareness and more of a wink because he said you can get away with more if the audience knows that you're in on the joke. Okay. And so in that respect, all right, maybe it's a concession because the movie had to get made in 1962, but I do prefer that charm to something like, let's say, Spectre, (laughs) which was just overwrought with dramatic stuff. Well, I feel like Spectre is going more for like the Roger Moore bond eras or, or closer to this era but not understanding it as well yeah it's because that movie to me feels a little more self-aware than any of the other uh um, um daniel craig movies but the problem is like th- like that movie tonally makes absolutely no sense to me oh yeah and that's the biggest issue with it where it you're right it chooses to be roger moore in one scene and then all of a sudden it's back to daniel craig and i'm like whoa this doesn't mix at all right and, well it's hard to make a character like blofeld yeah a jason bourne figure you know, yeah, I guess. I mean, Blofeld is like, I mean, he's, he's Doctor Evil. 
Yes. Literally. Exactly so. right. It's, uh, yeah, that's hard to sell realistically. I mean, I guess they did as best as they could. Right. I don't know if that's saying much, though. No, I don't think they did the best that they could. I think they could have done better. I don't know. Well, they have done better with Donald Plessens. Yeah. But again, his character in that is nothing, like, special. So, I I don't know. Nay, I don't know. The, the Bond villains are an interesting conversation in and of themselves. Yeah. And it's interesting here because the, the movie's called Dr. No, and there's, like, no Dr. No in this movie. Well, isn't it pretty crazy that the first movie in this franchise... They just named it after the villain. Yeah. It's well, like it's like naming the first Batman movie Joker. Yeah. Or naming the first Spider-Man movie Green Goblin. Well, <laughs> well that's the book. The book is named Dr. No. And it's it's ironically, it's the sixth book. Yes. Which is kind of strange. But yeah, no, the, all the Bond movies have kind of been good about naming them after the books, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Even Casino Royale. So. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I Yes. I buy that. I just think it's a little weird. Today, you would never do that. Probably not. If you were adapting a, a book named after the villain, you would definitely name it the hero. You uh, would not name it the villain. But that's a cool name, though. Dr. No. It is pretty cool. It's a cool name. It yeah, is intriguing. I, yeah, it works. The villain is kind of stupid in here, though. Yeah, exactly. And I also had forgotten how that era of Bond film is actually closer to the Austin Powers series than it is the new Daniel Craig series. That's the funniest thing about them, because it's so absolutely true. Right. Because those movies, as all great parodies do, is that they, they're they good about making fun of it, but they also understand why those movies are great. Right. So they, be, in, a, in a sense, kind of become those movies. Yep. So, yeah, I agree with that. And... <laughs> Yeah, this movie is interesting. Like, like I think this movie, I had seen it when I was much younger, and I was telling you this before we started recording. Is that I re- recall the island section, which is the second half of the film, happening so much earlier in my head, and then revisiting it, I'm like, oh my god, it takes an hour to get to the island, <laughs> and then right. it takes another like half an hour to get to Doctor No, and then we only see him twice in the movie. <laughs> and I'm still not sure exactly what his evil plot was. This is the other thing is that the Spectre organization is like, we, we just like being evil. Right. It's another one of those great motivations. We just love being evil. What does Spectre stand for? Because it's kind of a funny, it's yeah. kind of a funny uh, acronym, it's isn't it? Something like criminal terrorism and extortion is like the last. <laughs> I'll do it right now. Uh, it's special executive for counterintelligence, terrorism, <laughs> revenge, and extortion. Revenge. I love it. What the <laughs> fuck does that mean? I would love to visit their revenge department. <laughs> that would be a great like Trump cabinet position. <laughs> If he just appointed a secretary of revenge. <laughs> Could you imagine? Make Rudy wow. Giuliani his secretary oh of revenge. Oh, my God. Man, the country would be such a better place. Michael Cohen. <laughs> Who is part of the revenge department nowadays? It's a good question. Well, the whole Trump. The whole Trump the administration. The entire cabinet is the, is, the, is the revenge department. What a stupid name. <laughs> just very silly. But I agree with you. Movie's a ton of fun. Um, of the time, I don't think it could come out today and be as effective. Um, it would look like a comedy today, and it was kind of a comedy back then. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's it's not a comedy like um like it. It's not like uh, a Batman and Robin. No, it's not. It's not like the original Adam West Batman. It's not like ob- objectively funny to me. Right. But th- again, th- there is. Th- it, I don't want to call it campy, but there's camp there i guess if that makes sense charming camp though right yeah it's not as overt but it's it's 
it's like levity without knowing that it's levity. I'll tell you what it is. So. The camp is in the performances, not in the script. Sure. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. It, the camp is what Connery brings to it. Maybe some of the direction, too. Yeah. I guess that makes sense, yeah. Yeah. But also, like, there's a scene where James Bond <laughs> is laying in bed as a tarantula crawls on his face. That's good stuff, though. <laughs> good stuff. By the way, uh, Ursula Andress. Oh, a vision. Like, holy shit. A vision. I had forgotten just how utterly j- just angelic and beautiful this Too girl hot. is. Like, Too hot. Like, it, it rocked me to my core. <laughs> well, it makes quite a scene at the beginning, though. Like, her introduction on the beach in that white bikini collecting mm-hmm. shells. I know. Oh, man, if I had seen it at 12. <sighs> <sighs> That's good stuff. Who knows what would have happened to a young Nico? <laughs> I want to comment based, by the way, on that whole. Would change my name to James? Oh boy, <laughs> would that have helped you? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> um, I was gonna say just a little, little like like odd detail. I don't know why they went with this, but like these characters are trying to run from the 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 like like enforcers on the island, and there's that one guy who's got this bright red shirt. Like what the fuck was he doing? Like no shit, you get lit up by a by a mechanical dragon. It's like you deserve yeah, the it. Dragon was ridiculous too. Wasn't <laughs> I was gonna it? say like what the hell is that? I didn't realize that in the book too. They had removed a scene where James Bond fights a giant squid. That happens in the book. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, these movies are way less serious than we now understand them as. Yeah. You know, Daniel Craig has really ruined it. This new era of dark gritty reboots makes you forget that. James Bond is just a hoot. It used to be fun. It used to be so much fun. But I like this movie a lot. I really had a fun time. Me too. And I want to go back. I'm not a big historian in terms of James Bond. I do want to go back and watch some of those old movies. Good. Yeah. There there are some bad ones. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, they're not as, like, like offensive as, like, like, consistently offensive as, like, I don't know, Friday the 13th. Yeah. So. Yeah, I agree with you. you It's a great, it's a great marathon series. Great marathon series. Mm. Uh, Okay. Here we go. Let's move on to a movie that I made you watch mm-hmm. called The Manchurian Candidate, directed by John Frankenheimer, starring old blue eyes Frank Sinatra, whose poster sits right above us right now. Yes. Lawrence Harvey, Janet Leigh, and Andrew Lansbury. Mm-hmm. Number 17 on AFI's all-time thriller list. Number 21 on their villain list for, spoiler alert, Mrs. Eleanor Island, And number 67 on their all-time Movie list. A former prisoner of war is brainwashed as an unwitting assassin for an international communist conspiracy. Adam, what'd you think of the movie? I love this movie. Yeah, baby! (laughs) Yeah. Fuck yeah! This movie's pretty awesome. It's awesome! Yep. It's right up my alley. It's really disturbing, in yeah, my, in my dude. opinion. Yeah, and really dark and scary. And I didn't, I don't, yeah, I guess I didn't expect that. I, I didn't know anything about this movie going into it. So it was interesting just like letting it happen because yeah. I'm watching it. And I'm like, whoa, this is like, like, like rough stuff. This is like really uncomfortable. This is a, this is a scary, scary story that's still prevalent today, actually. Oh, for sure. So um, I think it was, I thought it was pretty great. Yeah, it's weird. It's one of those movies that's in the public consciousness because the name is. Yeah, I know. You know, the idea of having a Manchurian candidate, uh, a guy that's, you know, uh, embedded in a government for the purposes of unleashing them as an assassin, 
is like an idea that's bandied about from time to time. It's a cultural reference, but it's not a movie that people have seen all that much. No. I feel like it's kind of underrated in that way. Maybe. I mean, I think, like you said, people know about it even if they haven't seen it. Yeah. It's like, I know that name, but I have not seen that movie. But again, like I see a lot of like spy thrillers or like sort of like dark and very very kind of dour sci- uh, spy thrillers taking a lot of inspiration from this. I mean, there's so much Jason Bourne here. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. I mean, just with Raymond's character in general. I mean, he almost in a lot of ways, he almost is Jason Bourne. Yeah. Almost exactly. I mean, but but like even more so with this, I was surprised by how dark it got. Oh, yeah. It's it's far more serious than, than any of the, uh, well, maybe at least some of those Jason Bourne movies. Certainly the James Bond movies. Mm-hmm. And... Like that that ending is just horrible. Oh yeah, it's horrible, and I've never felt so bad for a character in a long time. Mm. It's just like I I oh my god, Raymond has the worst life of any character <laughs> in any movie ever. Like it sucks to be this guy. Seriously, I mean every everything he cares about just gets destroyed. Right, it's and sometimes terrible. he has to be the one destroying those things. He doesn't even know he's doing it though. That's the whole like the scene where he's like, why would anybody kill? Uh, uh, his girlfriend, or his, rather his wife and his father-in-law. Why right. would anybody do that? Well, <laughs> maybe they were brainwashed by Russians. <laughs> and then where he has to strangle his comrade, or not his comrade, his fellow soldier, and then shoot the other one in the head. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? It's just like, oh, I can't believe they're doing this in 1962. It's very not 1962. Yeah. And it's kind of weird because you look at it, the same year that To Kill a Mockingbird came out. <laughs> like, what the yeah. hell was going on in Hollywood in 1962? I, I mean, I think you had a, a pretty rigid studio system yep. that was producing feel-good, family-friendly stuff. And there was this like underlying anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I think at the time, it was driven by the Cold War and foreign yep. relations. And McCarthyism was a decade ago. And you know, there's this real anxiety going on in the country and these artists are trying to express it. And every once in a while you get a movie like the Manchurian candidate, which could have come out yesterday. Yeah. Well, we had a remake. Yeah. Yeah. Which I have not seen, but yeah, it's okay. It's not, it's not as good as this one. Okay. This one's just spectacular. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, it's so real and authentic and experimental. Mm -hmm. Like it's very trippy. Those scenes where Sinatra is having the flashbacks to that room. Yeah. Where it's like the, 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 the women, like the housewives in like the garden studio versus versus just like the, the conference room of like communists. Right. It's very confusing. Yeah. I I mean, I kind of like that, but I was like, I'm not sure whose perspective is, is, is which here. Yeah. It's very hard to tell uh, where it's coming from or or it's, it's very like unmotivated. Sure. Like a lot of the cuts and a lot of the character changes because they swap out characters based on the, the way they're envisioning them because they're so brainwashed. Yep. And the entire time I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And it doesn't start to make sense to me, I guess, until they start commanding Raymond to do stuff. I'm like, oh God, yeah, this is just a big test chamber, essentially. It's ooh, it's very uncomfortable. One of my favorite things in movies is unmotivated surrealism. Yeah. I love that shit. Mm-hmm. I love it because David Lynch does it all the yeah. time and it's the best. When something totally bizarre is happening and it's not supposed to line up, but the camera is telling you that everything's normal. Yeah. I think that stuff's fascinating. Yeah, because I don't trust it. It's like I don't trust the camera in this situation. Right. It's like, Jesus, what am I doing? Right. This movie does that constantly. Mm -hmm. You hear voices that don't match the faces Mm -hmm. and you hear versions of reality that are clearly not real and... All the narrators, including Sinatra, who understands what's going on, is still an unreliable narrator because to a certain extent, he's been hypnotized as well. Um, So it's this, yeah, very paranoid mind game of you don't know who to believe. You don't know what's actually happening. You don't know who the villain is. 
Uh, and then in that climax, I'm not going to spoil what happens in the climax, but it's just fucking disturbing, dude. Yeah, I know. And and the whole scene where Sinatra is running through Madison Square Garden, uh, and then ultimately what happens is awesome. It's one of the great endings in all of film. I really mm-hmm. believe that. Yeah, no, I agree with that. It's just like like, and I love the the notion that Raymond as a character is like completely unlovable. But I like can't help but love this guy. Oh yeah, be, because he's just like put through every horrible scenario possible. Because I think I get it. It's like okay, you're you're just an uh, at the end of the day, he's just an awkward guy. That's really where he comes from. Yeah, he's just like a, a weirdo. And well, he's sc- a rich kid. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just a weirdo rich kid in school that nobody liked, but and he couldn't help it. But, you know, he finds this one girl who actually does kind of get him, and he ends up killing her. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, and he didn't even mean to do it. It's, it's oh, Jesus Christ. It is so horrible. It's so horrible. But my God, does it work? Yeah, I, I, I really like What do you think movie. of Sinatra in the movie? He's very good. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I mean, it's, he's, he's actually a very good actor. Oh, yeah. Very you ever seen actor. Man with the Golden Arm? No. I'm really not. good. I'm not. I've not seen from here to eternity, unfortunately. But yeah, man with the golden arm. He, I haven't seen from here to eternity either. Um, but he is just spectacular in that movie. I mean, that's what the guy did. Like he was not necessarily a great vocalist or a great musical artist, but he was just a great performer. Yeah. And it's weird. He's kind of like a like a. It's a weird comparison, but like Lady Gaga now <laughs> is kind of doing what Frank Sinatra did. Okay. She spent the first ten years of her career trying to become a music superstar and realize that her real talent is in the theater and it's more dramatic and it's yeah. about performance and persona. She's better than that. Or she's better at that anyway than she is at her own music. Yeah. Not to say that Frank Sinatra is not a music icon and he's one of like the five greatest musical performers of all time, but like he's a damn good actor too. Yep. Uh, and I really like him in this movie and I love Angela Lansbury. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I believe she was nominated for best... Did supporting she, actor? Did I she think? win? I think she won. Uh, no, she was nominated for best supporting actor, mm-hmm. um, and best film editing. Yeah, I don't think it won either. Oh, all right. Yeah, I thought she did. Whatever. Really good in the movie, though. Yes. Uh, Joe Adams. Here's some fun facts for you. Joe Adams, as the army psychiatrist, was the first ever black actor mm. cast in a part that wasn't specified as a black character. Uh oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Took till 1962. How crazy is that? <laughs> um, and Frank Sinatra, after the JFK assassination, which was just a year later, mm-hmm. pulled the thing from circulation because of uh. the ending. So it's also become one of those like weird cultural scar type movies. Yeah. Sort of like Nashville, as a matter of fact. Okay. Um, where a horrific event mirrors something you see in a movie and it takes on this different meaning. Yeah. But I actually think like... It only makes it more prescient. Exactly. Well, that's the thing because it's happened, you know, before, and then it repeated itself. And it's again, it's funny. It it it'd be it'd be interesting seeing this at that time and and knowing about that movie and still having it in your head. And then that happens, and then and then it just confirms all those things that happen in the film. Right. Like like it's just got to make you just just really, well, obviously, very very cynical towards the government that you're living in, and more aware of it. Yeah, it's one of those movies that I feel like would have scared the shit out of people when, oh, when yeah. it came out as the thing. It's again, I was because the entire time I'm watching it, I'm just like, I can't believe this is a 1962 film. Sure. Because it scares the shit out of me now. And what if people <laughs> yeah. like this live among us? Because they probably do. It's like, it's not that hard to believe. 
but also the idea that the government is the one creating this myth yeah. and how at the end of the day it's just spoiler alert angela lansbury pulling the strings that's the most disturbing thing about it. it's just this one crazy person that's just gone way too far down one particular hole one crazy mom yeah I love movies with crazy moms, too. This is a good crazy mom. This is one of the good crazy moms. Yeah. Awesome movie. I'm so glad I, you liked yeah, it. Yeah, it's dope. Yeah. It's fucking dope. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to a movie you nominated. <laughs> had to. I had to do this. Called Lolita. Lolita. Directed by Stanley Kubrick. A different Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. There's many Stanley Kubricks. It's his cousin. Yeah. <laughs> Based on the novel by Vladimir Nabokov. Mm-hmm. Starring James Mason, Shelley Winters, Sue Lyon, and Peter fucking Sellers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> boy, does it ever star yeah, Peter Sellers. Yeah, boy, does it. <laughs> uh, nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay at the Oscars, a middle-aged college professor becomes infatuated with a 14-year-old nymphette. Um, when did you see Lolita for the first time? I want to say a year and a half ago. Oh, recently. Very recently. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I thought this is the weirdest Kubrick film I've ever seen. Oh. Aside from maybe The Killing. Uh, but I think then I thought about it and I was like, well, I guess analyzing these themes and, and the general content of the movie, I guess it's not that hard to believe that Stanley Kubrick would have been interested in making a movie like this. Okay, so I saw this in college, and it was after not reading the book in high school, but learning about the book in high school. Okay. It was, we had like a list, I think. It was a high school assignment of banned books. Oh, really? We had to pick like a controversial book and talk about it. And a few people in the class talked about Lolita. And so we talked about the themes of Lolita and the shocking content of the book, because the book is indeed shocking. When I found out that they made a movie about it, in 1962, directed by Stanley Kubrick, no less, mm-hmm. I'm like, I have to see this because there's no fucking way you can film this in 1962. Yeah. Um, well, the, the, the tagline of the film is, how could anybody have made a film about Lolita? Right. Yeah. Wait, so I understand they got it at the time, but it's funny that in like whatever it was, 2015, I still had the same reaction. Yeah. Um, and I remember watching the movie and thinking, man, do they pull a lot of punches here? And that's what disappointed me more than anything else, because Stanley Kubrick is not a guy that generally pulls punches, especially in something like Clockwork Orange. Mm-hmm. Um, he's pretty loyal to the source material there. But this is a pretty down-the-middle studio comedy kind <laughs> about some disturbing material. Yeah. And I don't know. How do you reckon that? Would you, pre- would you prefer a version of this movie where they kept it? 100% by the book. Oh, God, dude. Or they made it within the studio system and it was rated PG. It's very hard to make a movie like that that, like, sells to a wide audience. As soon as you start making a movie about, like, like a dude getting sexually involved with someone who's far too young for him, you get, like, the rape scene and the girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah. And nobody likes that. No. Uh, Except for you. You love that scene. I do love that scene. <laughs> <laughs> Not for the raping, god damn it. Okay. Jesus Christ. No, this uh this movie, yeah, I think that was my my takeaway too where it was just like, yeah, this is not entirely what I expected. Like like I said, thematically it makes sense that Kubrick would have been attracted to it, but um yeah, it certainly doesn't play out the way that I thought it would have knowing about Kubrick because it is kind of safe. 
Right. You know, and it is a little more sterilized view of what, how, even how I understand the book. Um, but yeah, it's, hmm. It's like his catch me if you can. (laughs) (laughs) And that shouldn't be the case because it's Lolita. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Well, it's it's interesting too because it's like right on the line. Because when when was Strange Love? 64? I I think think so, yeah. I think Strange Love was his next movie after this. And that was the first movie of like the, the Kubrick golden age. Yes. When Kubrick fully emerged as an auteur yes this is in his early days he did the killing uh, spartacus he did spartacus did a bunch of studio pictures and it was a pretty good studio filmmaker but obviously he became what he became in the late 60s early 70s um but yeah i i mean i don't i don't know i i don't know what the better version of this movie is <laughs> i i don't know if i would have preferred a version that's loyal to the novel or not. Now, Kubrick himself says, had he had known the hoops he'd have to jump through to please the censorship police, he would not have made the movie altogether. Okay. He said that after the fact. This was at a point in Hollywood where everything was regulated by the Hayes Code. That was since thrown out, but that was very strict about what you could include and could not include in a theatrical run. So there's not one scene that even... Like has anything explicitly sexual Yeah I mean there's nothing There's nothing erotic about anything It's all hinted at and it's all innuendo And it's all implied mm-hmm. um, Look that's not the book And I think you do kind of lose some of the meaning If you don't include that stuff I don't know what do you think well, From what I understand the book is all about that harshness Yeah I mean at the end I mean that's fairly obvious But I mean the entire thing is sort of about that 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 sort of oppressive nature of those older men and how they just don't give a shit. Right. And you don't you kind of lose that when you see him being a little safer with it. It's like, oh, well he's he's not the worst guy in the world. Right. But no, he that's, is the, but that's he, the problem though. But he is the worst guy in the world. Yeah. That's the problem. And you there's a little bit of a disconnect. You don't you certainly don't feel it the way you would need to feel it for it to thematically work in the way that the book works. No, I think you're 100% right. The worst thing they do is that they make the main character sympathetic. I mean, well here's the thing. I f- do not like the character? Really? No. Okay. No, but I do agree that he's he's more sympathetic than the way he he would be on paper. That's where I'm saying like the book certainly I I understand why this is like the most despicable fucking human being ever. Sure. But because of the direction and the way Cooper was forced to work, he's a little more, you know, you f- at times you do feel a little bad for him, especially at the end. Sure. You feel very bad for him. Oh, yes. yeah, he's pathetic at the end. Yes. I mean, there are a few little subtle changes where uh Sure, he considers murdering his wife at one point, but the wife is kind of a bitch, and the wife is crazy, Mm -hmm. and so you sort of let James Mason off the hook because the wife is so insane. Yeah. Um, Peter Sellers is not such a great guy either, and you come to hate Peter Sellers during the movie, and so, of course, you would murder him in the first five minutes, Mm -hmm. and you come to learn why he would do such a thing. His actions are justified. There are even some instances where lolita is doing the seducing yeah she's not the victim she's an active participant even though she's a victim she doesn't know she's a victim uh that stuff just feels man i don't want to use the word problematic because i sound like the same critics of joker when i say that but they're by um by neutering the movie well you almost let its characters off the hook and that bothers me well let me just get this right out. Like, I, I think it's a good movie. Yeah, I think it's. A, I do too. I like this. Movie. I, I, I really enjoy this film. But like I said, flawed. Yeah, very flawed. And one of the things I think you were hinting at just now is that the film is not very complicated with its themes right. at all. Because I, 
I love the idea that she might be the one doing the seducing from time to time, but they could have explored that in a way where she was doing it out of like survival. Sure. That's a common thing that happens with girls in a situation like this, but they don't really go into that. They don't really go into any of the, the psychological implications. I mean, there's very little of that at all. Yeah. Honestly, you don't get a clear sense of how Lolita is actually feeling deep down. You just know that, you know, she just reacts to James Mason yes. at the end of the day. You get a clear sense of how he's feeling. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Lolita is just sort of, in a way, it's like she's she's the one she's I guess the the overarching plot device. Yeah, it's no, she's way. not a person. You don't learn a lot about her psychology. Yeah, and I guess the book gets again. I haven't read the book, but the book sort of delves more into that. Okay, of what she's feeling during this time and what the the death of her mother did to her. Really? Which is another thing. Like, yeah, that's true. The mom yeah, they, dies and she has one cry, and then James Mason's like, I'll buy you some records, and then everything's normal again. It's fucking weird. You know? Like, it's uncomfortable. Like, they get some details right in that way, but it's it's not fulfilled. No, it's uncomfortable, but it's also kind of whimsical. Yeah. And it's also just like another romantic comedy of the era. The fact that you're supposed to kind of like roll your eyes at that is a little problematic, too. Right. So <sighs> I think this is an instance where, look, you can tackle anything in film. That's why I always get mad when people say, why would you depict a character so despicable? Why would you ever depict, you know, a racist or a bigot or a murderer? Like, you're allowed to depict anything as long as you do it the right way, mm -hmm. right? And this movie, although it's masterfully made and masterfully performed, mm -hmm. uh, Mason's awesome in this movie. Yes. It's great. And as is Peter Sellers. Yes. Um, by neutering it, by dumbing it down, by making it more accessible to audiences, you lose a lot of the meaning and you end up doing more harm than good. It's actually a more dangerous movie because of the lack of explicit explicitness. Well, because it takes away from your awareness of the subject matter. Yeah. Like, like, like there's what's the there's a there's something about um it was a quote about some guy like like doing a, an apparent like quote unquote sexist thing and people were really mad at him for it but then you got some other people on the other end who were women by the way and they were getting really mad at this other end of the spectrum like criticizing this guy because they saw they saw it and they're like okay this guy didn't do like anything and if you're criticizing this one little detail about him it's belittling actual sexism right i think the guy was wearing his shirt with like like women with like like uh bathing suits on like like okay. a bunch of stamped women with with bathing suits Got on you. and a bunch of women saw that and they're like fuck this guy and then these other women were like you really got to stop doing this because there are serious problems here and by going to here no one's going to take us seriously right and right, so what you end up doing is is you downplay the actual effect of sexism. It's like a cry wolf scenario, almost. Sure, yeah. yeah I think this is certainly one of those instances. Um, you sort of downplay the pedophilia in an effort to protect American audiences from pedophilia. You know, it might play pretty well today, actually. It'd yeah, be, it'd be I, very controversial, but I think it, it's very prevalent today. Yeah. Oh, sure. The. Um, the power and greed of the American male, for sure. Mm -hmm. That's a theme that works today. Toxic masculinity, mm -hmm. sure. I think it would work great as like an HBO miniseries. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, or Netflix or something like that. They could do it. Yeah. Um, look, it's an entertaining movie. Yeah. Um, it's Kubrick, so it's masterfully done. Like, shot composition, no matter if he's doing a comedy or a war movie or a horror movie, is always perfect. Or, or a studio picture. Yeah. No one's ever done it better than Kubrick. So, no. of course, it's brilliant. Um, I just think now you could use the word problematic and it's not inaccurate. No. doesn't make the film bad, though. It doesn't mean we should ban the movie or anything no. like that. 
Certainly just, not. Just problematic. Yeah. That's okay, though. Yeah, I, I think so for sure. And again, Peter fucking Sellers. <laughs> Peter Sellers is so weird in this. I love the scene where he comes out and they're, they're, what are they at? Like the country club and he's just kind of hanging out on the road. Oh, as the cop, yeah. Going like that, you know, just trying to- Hey, you're just a normal guy, right? Yeah, yeah, you're just right. a normal guy. I'm a normal guy. Yeah, oh, it's so good. I love him. I guess he modeled that voice after Kubrick. That's where he got the voice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. How do you like that? Hmm, all right. Fair. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. You know what I like about James Mason, too? Um, who's, like, right on the fringe of being a all-time Hollywood star. He wasn't, like, quite there. He wasn't, like, quite Humphrey Bogart, but he was, like, one step down. He wasn't afraid to play despicable characters. Because he'd done it before, yeah. You know, he yeah. did it with A Star is Born. He's a drunk. He's not, like, a traditional romantic lead. He's a loser. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, he was not afraid to take a pretty creepy role. I know. And I'm sure in 1962, his agents were discouraging him from taking the movie. I think I've only seen him in Despicable Roles, even in The Verdict. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, he's great in The Verdict. Yeah. Yeah, I like James Mason a lot. Underrated. Me too. Me too. All right. That's Lolita. That is Lolita. Should we talk Mockingbirds? Sure. We just had a bunch of them outside today. Yeah, we did. Too many. (laughs) Get them out of here. To Kill a Mockingbird, directed by Robert Mulligan, based on the novel by Harper Lee, starring Gregory Peck, Mary Batum, Philip Alford, and Robert Duvall in his big screen debut. Mm-hmm. Winner of Best Actor, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Art Direction at the Oscars. Nominated for Best Picture, Best Supporting Actress, Best Director, Best Cinematography, and Best Score. AFI, this is what they say about this movie. Number 17 movie score of all time. Number two most inspirational movie of all time. Number 25 on their all-time movie list. Number one courtroom drama. And Atticus Finch, their number one hero. Whoa. Atticus Finch, a lawyer in the Depression era South, defends a black man against an undeserved rape charge and his children against prejudice. Um, You read the book, right? Oh, yeah. You didn't read the Spark Notes in high school? No, I read that book. I did, too. One of the few books I actually read in high school. Yeah. I love that book. I mean, sure. Who doesn't? <laughs> yeah. Look, it's really hard adapting the greatest American novel of all time, right? Well... It's fucking impossible. I, I, it's not, it's not, I guess it's not that hard when you do literally everything that the book does. Yeah. It's actually kind of hard for me to talk about this movie without referencing the book because they are like identical. Yeah. So I appreciate that though. It's like that and like the outsiders are like the closest. Oh, but I hate the outsiders. Yeah. I don't love the outsiders. I hate that movie. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Well, the Godfather's actually pretty accurate to the book too. Okay. Um, I actually appreciate that about Mockingbird though. Yes, me too. Because there's a version of To Kill a Mockingbird where it's just Atticus. Yeah. And it's just the courtroom drama and you spend the first hour and a half with tom robinson mm-hmm. um that's not really what it would be about that's not the the, the spirit and heart of the book ex- no ex- exactly right and although this movie does have uh, a sweeping courtroom scene it doesn't lose sight of the point of view of the children yeah, it's all the movie stays with the children there's not a scene without scout and uh her, what's the boy's name i always forget her brother's name yeah uh, Scout and Jem. Uh, Jem, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, but yeah. That's it's it's a coming of age movie in that way. It's about seeing the world around you and mm-hmm. and le- learning good and bad and 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 understanding why it's 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 complicated and strange. And you and I love how the movie explores the the fact that it, it, 
like not this this is a, a strange thing to bring up I, I guess but her naivety is so interesting to me scouts yeah I, I really love the way she processes everything around her but again how she kind of finds some some comfort in her father but also gets like disappointed with her father at times when he has to teach her certain lessons oh sure but it's very real and it's very very moving and i think we all kind of understand that character yeah so i just think Although uh, you said it's a loyal adaptation, it takes a lot of balls to set your movie with the children as the main character. Yeah. And Atticus is sort of relegated to the background for a long period of time. Yeah, sure. He wins the Oscar, and he only wins the Oscar for that monologue in the courtroom, in my opinion. Pretty much. You know, he does like this six-minute monologue. It's all in one take, and it's just brilliant. But other than that, it's mostly just these kids, and these kids are so goddamn inspired. Oh, yeah. They're really good in this movie. Like, the girl that plays Scout got an Oscar nomination, and it's well-deserved. She's awesome in it. Um, Everything with Boo Radley, you're right. It's 100% accurate to the book, but... Um, on screen it works just as well, if not better. I just think it's incredibly rare for you know the great American novel to be one of the great American films at the same time. Yep. Um, there there are very few flaws in either. Um, yeah, I agree. And that's a miracle. Like that just doesn't happen anymore. Mm-hmm. When do you ever hear? <laughs> That the adaptation is as good as the book, but that's what this is. It's as good as the book. Oh God, it's it's one of the most rare things ever. I honestly, I mean, I could probably count on my hands how many film adaptations are better than the book. Yeah, yeah, I can count even fewer where they compare and they're the greatest of all times in both. Right. This might be the only one. Yeah. Oh my God. Like there are no other movies and books that are both in the top thirty. Of all time, you no. know, like To Kill a Mockingbird's a top 30 novel and the movie is probably a top 30 movie. Yes, probably. It's so fucking great. And it's yeah. the scenes between the kids. Again, all the Tom Robinson stuff is very moving. And when he ultimately dies in the movie, it actually hurts more on screen than it does in the book, because in the book, it's just sort of an idea. Yep. He's sort of like a background character. Mm-hmm. But on screen, he's there. He's present. He's a person. Mm-hmm. And so the tragedy is that much more tragic. Yep. Same with Boo Radley. He's more of an idea and a symbol in the book. And in person, Duvall is an actual person. Yep. You know, and it just elevates it a little bit more on an emotional level. Mm-hmm. Everything's more palpable. And that's sure. what is so great about this movie and about all movies, mm-hmm. really, right? Yeah. I might have wanted to have seen Tim Robinson. What did it? Tom. Tom, Tom, Rob- Robinson. Tom Robinson's death. Yeah. They don't, they don't mention it in the book. They just, or they do, but. But Atticus is the one who says it, just like in the movie. Right. So I, that's the one thing about both that I was, I was like, oh, oh, you're just bringing it up now to us. Like, eh, okay. It would have been nice to have like seen that happen, but I understand where it's all from the perspective of the kids. So it's like, just stay there. It's right. Like, it makes sense. But I, I remember like when I first like took it and I was like, oh, that was a bit strange. Yeah. So, but it's okay. Uh, is there anything you don't like about this movie? Not really. And this is not an interesting conversation. As much, <laughs> as much as I like the movie, like it's there's it's like it's like us talking about Jaws. It's like what's what's bad about the film? Nothing. Okay, let's go. <laughs> there's really nothing bad to say about it. Yeah, but- it's a classic story told in a classic way with a classic performance and. No, there's nothing wrong with it at all. I think we already covered the most interesting thing about it, where it's like it's a film adaptation that is just as good as the book, and it's just as much of a classic as the book. So that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. It's like okay, yeah. I guess we'll move on then. Okay. That's the killer. <laughs> <laughs> You're 100 percent right. Yeah, I got nothing. Yeah, me like, neither. I got nothing. <laughs> Sorry to kill a mockingbird. It's it's out of love. Trust us. <laughs> we'll talk about it in a minute. Mm. Uh, the longest day. Yeah. All right. 
I have a lot of names to read for you. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> the Longest Day. Jesus. Directed by Ken Anakin, Andrew Martin, Burhard Wiki, <laughs> Jared Oswald, and Daryl F. Zunuk. Yep. Five directors. Mm-hmm. Starring, and I'm only going to read not the main characters, but the most famous names. Because the main character list is like 30 deep. And they're not even really main characters. <laughs> Here's who's in it. John Wayne, Richard Burton, Sean Connery, Henry Fonda, Rob Steiger, Robert Wagner, Paul Lanka. And again, there's like 20 more. Yeah. But those are the most famous. Winner of Best Cinematography and Best Special Effects at the Oscars. And oh, okay. I was going to say that this one best cinema, best cinematography did. for black and white, not for color. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Because I was like, what? Good point. Yeah, yeah they divided it back then. Good mm-hmm. call. Uh, also nominated for best picture, best art direction, and best film editing. The events of D-Day told on a grand scale from both the allied and German points of view. I'd never seen this movie. Yeah, and I nominated it. You did. Because I wanted you to watch it. Okay. Well, do you want to know what I thought about it? Not really. Okay, next movie. <laughs> so, Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> what do you think of the movie? I'll tell you what I thought about it. Okay. Um, so, it uh, there's a cold open in this movie where there's a bunch of Germans on the beaches of Normandy, and they're prepping for the landing, I guess, or the invasion. They don't know that the invasion's coming, but they suspect it. Yes. And there's a general or a lieutenant or whatever that's talking to some fellow soldiers and he's like uh yeah we're preparing for the longest day and then title card the longest day <laughs> and the scene is not actually shot on a beach it's shot in a sound stage mm-hmm. with a projected image behind them <laughs> it's like a green screen effect but they didn't have green screen in 1962 yeah kind of you couldn't fucking go to a beach? <laughs> that turned me off right away. Okay. Frustrated the hell out of me. Um, from then on out, I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> okay. I didn't love it. I got to be honest. I didn't love it. That's too bad. I didn't love it. Yeah. And I'm curious to say, see what you love about it, but I didn't really care for it. What'd you think? Oh, God. I, I mean, this is, it's a good version of Dunkirk, essentially. <laughs> I thought a lot about Dunkirk watching this. I mean, the movie is... Like, imagine Dunkirk with personality, and that's The Longest Day. Because the movie is... is There are no main characters in the movie. No. It's a... It's... John Wayne, kind of. No, not even John Wayne. He's in the most scenes, I guess. I guess. I don't even know if that's true. The the movie is... I mean, it's more of a docudrama. I mean, it pretty accurately covers all of uh, the, the Normandy landings from both sides in pretty oddly spectacular fashion. I'm kind of amazed that they were able to put it all into one film because uh, this is actually uh, an area of World War II that I'm, I'm quite familiar with. So I was I saw it based on that alone just mm-hmm. because I love that 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 whole uh, I love that whole battle and, and how interesting it is and what it meant for the war and whatnot. And I have a I, question for you in regards to that. Yeah. Did both the German side and the Allied side know how big the battle was going to be in the days leading up to it? Uh, it's not so. I think they had an idea that it was going to be pretty big, but they didn't understand how I think chaotic it would actually be. Okay, which is crazy to say, but it's actually amazing how how many things re- went wrong 
and how overshot things were, how the fact that they didn't understand when the invasion was coming right. and that they pretty like the Germans pretty much had to scramble to get everyone ready because there are 50,000 boats coming towards them. Right. And, but, but then the fact that when, when you get, um, uh, uh, the, the paratroopers with the 101st and, how 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 much of a mess that was, and how they were just trying to scramble to get everyone back together. That's my favorite part of the movie. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's fantastic. But how like scary that would have been. But all, but then we get to the beach landings and why some beaches were more easy or far more easy to take than others, and why Omaha was such a disaster and things like that. The it the, I think more than anything, what they didn't expect, like I said, was just how 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 much it was of just like people running around with their heads cut off. On yeah. on all sides, and and not even just um uh, the, the 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 Allied forces and the Axis powers, but also the the civilians. Yeah, which is actually again very well realized in this movie, which I I think when first watching it I didn't expect, and even more so I didn't expect the German side of things to be so accurately told. Oh yeah, and, and like I, like like tastefully sympathetic. Yeah, I would say so. Um, there's a lot of perspective here. Yes. There's a lot. And the movie is meticulous about giving the full picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're right. It's more of a historical document than it is a movie. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that worked for me. <laughs> I just don't think that idea in general, I, I'd i rather like read it in an encyclopedia. Yeah. On a technical level, though, I think it's just phenomenal. Yeah, no, I get it. I, I go to movies, I think, for point of view. I, I dig point of view. And That's what this is. Well, the movie doesn't really have a point of view, though. The movie has multiple point of views. That's okay. Though. And doesn't really have a point of view in terms of a director either. It's yeah. It it lacks any sort of artistic quality. It's. <laughs> I wouldn't say it lacks well, any artistic quality. Identity. But, how about that? Yeah. All right. Let's use the word identity. Uh, I, the reason I asked that question is there were just many lines in this script which I thought was incredibly flat. I didn't care yeah. for the script at all. Where they're like, today is going to be the most important day of our lives. <laughs> today is history, gentlemen. And it's like, you didn't fucking know. No one knew this would be the end of the war. No one knew this would be the major turning point. Maybe they suspected that it was going to be a big battle. But no one was in the moment saying, they're going to remember this day in history <laughs> class for years to come. That's not how history works. <laughs> no, You tell history after the fact. You don't tell it as it's happening. So there's just a lot of generic Hollywood bullshit. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily like fault the movie that much for it because it's so much of a product of its time in that yes. way for its script anyway. That's why again, like I, the script is really not even my concern when watching this. I'm just curious as to how they're 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 capturing what the ultimate story is, which is just this one singular event. What's this thing about Hitler sleeping in? Was oh, that a real thing? Yeah, that's why they didn't send enough support to normandy there's i mean there's lots of reasons why they didn't send enough support to normandy i mean they they had no idea like we essentially caught them off guard when we because we like what the other thing is that we they didn't know that we were gonna go to normandy right that's the bigger thing is that they think they thought we were gonna go i think much further south well the idea was that there was a particular scene where um they said they expect us to land uh the shortest distance from britain yep on the nicest day mm-hmm. in terms of weather because that would make it easiest and would also make it more convenient. You have to sail yeah. less distance. What they decided to do is attack the furthest point from Britain, which was Normandy. That was the longest ground to cover in the sea on a day with a yeah. lot of rain and clouds and storms. Yeah. So, yes, there was... A, 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 but it's meticulous about the detail. They yeah. get into a lot of the motivations. Yes. And listen, I applaud the movie for... Attempting that scope. Yeah. They definitely bore down into it. 
Uh, I thought at times though it was a little overwhelming, <laughs> and in the case of the script and some of these performances, it was kind of hokey. Yeah. Not all of it, though. Like, I don't remember the movie being that hokey. Like I said, though, if you're going to do this and you're going to have a movie that quite literally cannot be developing its characters front to back, there's so many. Yeah. This is a better way to do it than Dunkirk. I'm sorry. I, at least I remember the people in this movie. At least I at least... See, I don't remember a thing about these characters. Oh, God. I really so, don't. No. Really? Yeah, because I that's that's my bigger issue with something like Dunkirk is that like I felt nothing while watching them. At least I cared about these people because I was like, oh, that's a person. That's not a robot. Cool. Huh? It's great. It's at least you have that. It's so funny. I felt the same. I felt that way about this movie. That is it's so, the same criticisms. You oh, have that's Dunkirk. bizarre, man. I think you're just wrong. But see, with Dunkirk, at least I felt a propulsion and like a and, and an identity. It's a it's a Nolan movie. It's a movie with a point of view and something to say. I, th- I still think, just because, I mean, it doesn't have like an auteur identity, but it still feels distinct. It still feels like a, like like its own interesting thing. I'm, Here's the other problem, too. Normandy was done by Spielberg in the definitive way. Yes. So it's hard to see Saving Private Ryan and see this. I wouldn't even just cite Saving Private Ryan. I would also cite Band of Brothers. Yeah. Oh, sure. And a lot of people forget about that. But the, the airborne drops were just as, if not more important than the beach landings. Yeah. So um, that's the other thing. Also, it was done really well in that movie Overlord last year. Didn't see Overlord, though. It's pretty good. The opening scene is the Normandy paratroopers. Okay. It's pretty fucking fun. All right. It's really good. Uh, the one thing that I loved was the scene where the paratroopers are coming down and they're just landing and shit. Yep. Like, they're crashing through barns and they're hanging from trees yeah. and they're getting shot up in the sky. Like, that was awesome. Yeah. That was such a human moment because you imagine... The paratroopers coming down, saving America and the world. And you just imagine G.I. Joe landing on two feet and going in and killing the Nazis. When in actuality, it was really sloppy and messy. And I just loved that stuff. That's the stuff I love in war movies where the war doesn't look sexy at all. That felt like the whole movie, though. Uh Especially like it's interesting watching this movie and the film is dead honest about like what Utah was like versus Omaha and how we literally just ran up the beach. Right. We got it. And then Omaha, we're stuck there for like three hours because everyone's just getting cut in half by guns sure and it's like yeah like like the fact that the film doesn't shy away from those details is interesting well the fact that yeah one beach was really easy and the other was really hard yeah like it's there's even a scene in the movie i forget uh which actor played the character but they attack this bridge Mm. they have to like protect this bridge from being blown up by the germans yep and they're just like, wow, we did it in 15 minutes. That was super fucking easy. Yeah. And, you know, a couple people died. But at the end of the day, yeah, I'll take it as a win. <laughs> and it's kind of funny. You're watching it. Oh, we caught the Germans with their pants down. They had no idea what was coming. It was really easy taking this beach and hard taking another one. It's like wars more complicated than sometimes movies portray. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, I appreciate the detail as a movie. Oh, dude, it's, uh, it's too much fun. It's too exciting. A little cheesy. Nah. Yeah. A little cheesy. The script's a bit cheesy. The sc- sure. John Wayne's way over the top in it, too. A bunch of these characters. Oh, as if John Wayne's n- ever been subtle. Give me a break. <laughs> Stop it, Nico. I also got so annoyed when they put... They, they didn't shoot on location. They did it on the soundstage. Mm-hmm. That pissed me the fuck off. But not always shooting on a soundstage. It was distracting. Though. That's okay, dude. Again, take it for what it is at its, at its time, dude. I don't care. I don't care that Steven Spielberg did it better. I'm just taking it at a in a bubble. No, I, what I, it is. I can normally do that. In this case, it felt very dated. It was the most dated of all of these movies. Mm-hmm. I think by a mile. 
Mm, I would say maybe Doctor No is maybe slightly more dated. Okay. I don't. Th- I think as a technical achievement, this movie is remarkable. And there aren't many movies that have captured an epic event as well, in my opinion. It's been a long time. I don't. I certainly don't think Dunkirk did it. It is expansive. Yeah, for sure. It's an expansive movie. I think a little too expansive, <laughs> but that's just my opinion. Dwight D. Eisenhower, by the way, walked out on the movie after only a few minutes, frustrated by the inaccuracies. Oh yeah, of course he did. I mean, of course he did. Yeah. He wasn't exact. What, what do you mean? He thought the movie was inaccurate. And he, I don't know, was the fucking general of the United States <laughs> Army at the time. Maybe he would know. No, <laughs> not not for where he was. That's a strange thing that he would that he would walk out. It's Ike you're talking about, bro. Yeah, I know. But he wasn't like standing there with the Germans, was he? <laughs> the entire first half of the well, not the full a good chunk of the beginning of the film just takes place with the Germans. All right. You thought it was accurate. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. I don't like the the Hitler with the sleeping pill thing. <laughs> that's okay. It bothers me. You're weird. <laughs> You're weird. Uh, let's talk Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, let's talk Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, boy. Directed by David Lane. Starring Peter O'Toole, Alec Guinness, and Omar Sharif. Winner of Best Picture. Best Director, Best Cinematography, Best Art Direction, Best Sound, Best Film Editing, and Best Score, nominated for Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor, and Best Adapted Screenplay. Here's what AFI says about the movie. It's the number 23 thriller of all time, the number 10 hero of all time, the number 3 score of all time, the number 30 most inspirational movie of all time, the number 1 epic of all time, Mm -hmm. and get this, number 5 on their all-time movie list. Okay. The story of T.E. Lawrence, the English officer who successfully united and led the diverse, often warring Arab tribes during World War I in order to fight the Turks. Um, you told me, Nico, you got to rewatch this movie. <laughs> sure. Had to. And you are so fucking lucky that Sam Darnold threw four interceptions on Monday Night Football because I was out by 1030 and I flipped on a little Lawrence of Arabia that evening. All right. <laughs> to wind down from one of the most horrifying jet losses of my lifetime. This movie will wind you down. Oh, oh, did it ever. Put me to fucking sleep is what it did. <laughs> All right, I need to just go on this. Can I give me my soapbox, please? Sure. I'm going to get on top of my soapbox here. Uh, I watched this movie when I was 12 years old because mm-hmm. I was obsessed with the AFI list. And I'm like, oh, this is apparently one of the great movies of all time. Let's do it. <laughs> and now I watch it and I think... There has never been a longer and more arduous homework assignment. That's wow. what this is, is homework. I get it. It looks beautiful. The sound design is immaculate. Peter O'Toole is brilliant. It's a great inspirational story. David Lean directs his ass off. It's the scope inspired countless movies for decades to come. I get it. I get it. I get it. Adam, it's fucking boring. I'm sorry. This movie bores the shit out of me. I'll never understand it. How someone like you can fall in love with this four hour snooze fest. That's what this is. I had to quit after hour two. I didn't make it four hours. Oh, that's too bad. I'm sorry. This is one of the one of the the more surprisingly entertaining films I'd seen when I first saw it. How can you say that? I think it's Peter O'Toole. Because I love every single scene that this guy's in. I could just watch him for five more hours. I don't care. I mean, yeah, the cinematography by the great uh, Freddie Young is fucking amazing. 
the film is 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 a feast for the eyes. It's like filmmaking brilliance. It's an interesting character study that I don't find inspirational at all. I think it's actually uh, like fairly bleak when you look at his character and and well, how the- and how like 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 kind of lost he gets. And I love that. And it, to to see him transform that way throughout the film, he becomes an idol to these people, though. So <laughs> the mil- the guy is a sadomasochist. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the guy is not not really a great guy, and he's sort of. I disagree with you. Uh, what? <laughs> I disagree. What are you talking about? No, I, I you wouldn't call. I I think an idol. I'd say he's an idol. That doesn't. I don't. Well, okay. So you thought they were misguided in crowning him their like leader? No, I'm just saying that as a character, he's not. Like, but he does a lot of good. I don't care. I'm not. I'm t- he so, does a lot of good for these people, but he's, he's troubled. He's flawed. He's not happy by the end of it at all. No, but that's not really the point. Are you sure? Well, I, I think the idea of the movie is that even a guy who was forgotten by history yeah. and dies unceremoniously in a motorcycle crash mm-hmm. and has a bunch of people attend his funeral that no one that, uh, how, that don't know him, uh, can still change the world, mm-hmm. right? And can and can still be a force of good. That's the idea. The movie's about the unsung hero, right? Yeah, he's flawed. Yeah, he has to do a lot of fucked up things. Yeah, he has to shoot a buddy of his in the head, you know, for the greater good. Mm-hmm. But in the long run, in the course of human history, he was a net positive, Despite his flaws, because the funeral scene is not painted as like a heroic thing. No, it's nice, not heroic. Like it's no, ve- he's it, an afterthought. Like yeah, you're right. It, it's very much like yeah, some people loved him, some people like absolutely despised him. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, the people that despised him though didn't know him. Yeah. The people that despised him were like, yeah, you know, I, I kind of knew him in passing, and he was kind of an asshole. I and thought- then his defenders were like, yeah, no, he was a great man. Did you know him? Nah, I never got a chance to meet him, but he was a great man. Isn't the line like, oh, I knew him. Like, he was the most, he was the bravest, kindest, whatever I've ever known. And then it's like, you knew him? He's like, yeah, I knew him. And then there's this other guy who did, like, who did know him for real and knew how shitty he was. And the guy who says, like, oh, yeah, he was the best, whatever, whatever, whatever I've ever known. He's kind of a prick to that guy, too. Like, I, I don't know. I don't see this movie as, as, a, as a positive story in that way. At least, my, well, what do you figure the, the theme is then? I mean, it's a little more complicated than that. I mean, I don't. I I do not find it un- uplifting. Really? Yeah, I find his story. Well, to, I also didn't find it uplifting because that's in a I, different way. I that's I don't <laughs> yeah, care I was about snoring what you, halfway through. I don't care about what you think. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a nice sleeping pill. I mean, the Hitler act- should try watching this movie. Yeah, <laughs> the action sequences in this act- action sequences in this movie are pretty remarkable. Yeah, it's great. I, th- I think they're amazing. It's all great, and I love the scene where they come to the well, and there's that guy just slowly coming in the distance. Yeah, it's a wonderful it, moment. Yeah, it That's only takes ten, twenty ten, fucking minutes, but it's I'm, great. Oh, I'm fine with that. Yeah, no, it's if you enjoy shots of guys walking in the desert, that's awesome. It's great, dude. It's, and you're wrong, and that's okay. Uh, yeah, this is the best movie on the list. <laughs> but uh, like, I get it. Like man. I said, as a character study, like, and that, that's the thing is that the movie is so specifically about Lawrence. And I, I know he does a lot of remarkable things, but for me at least, like a lot of he's the, flawed. Of course, he's but, flawed. No, no, no. But a lot of the remarkable things he does are sort of mitigated by just how horrible he ends up being, in my opinion. Like I don't like, like I like he's an interesting character. I just don't think he's a very good person. 
and it's interesting when you when you examine his legacy at least because i think the, the, when the when the movie starts out telling you that oh yeah this guy is like this amazing thing and we we should all look up to him but then when you get an inside scoop at how he really was it it, it makes the the great story that surrounds this guy far more like 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 disturbing to me like there's 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 an interesting examination in in i guess like our the the our perceived notion of like legends versus what actually happened yeah and how there's when reality actually hits and you look at you look at it for what it actually was it's it's far more complicated and disturbing and it wasn't as glamorous as you thought it was going to be yeah and that's what's so interesting about this movie and how it it dissolves the myth for sure yeah and it works for me in that way a lot I mean, pretty much throughout the entire runtime, I find this movie endlessly fascinating. I love it. I love that. I think it's really pretty. <laughs> it is very pretty. I you're right. You're, well, you're right about that. It would make for a great painting. It is a great painting. I would love to look at paintings of this movie mm-hmm. in a museum. But the thing about a museum is I can just leave whenever I want. <laughs> this, I'm stuck there for four hours yeah. watching horses in the desert, just mm-hmm. or camels in the desert just galloping. Oh, yeah. That's the movie. It's a little more interesting than, I don't know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. How dare you? Oh, don't even go there, Nico. You are 110% wrong about this one. Don't even try. Don't even try. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> give, give me two times this movie versus two times that movie. I don't care. <sighs> Did it have to be four hours? No, that's what it I didn't have to be four hours. <laughs> I can both acknowledge that it's a masterpiece and it's brilliantly directed, but also boring as shit. Okay. And so is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> I'm going to reach across this table right now. I'm going to reach across this table. I'm sorry that I can't, like, you know, look at this with a more uh, perceptive, critical eye. Okay, <laughs> but I just can't do it. It's all it's that movie when you say old, dated, feels like homework. Lawrence of Arabia is what I you think. You think of. this is dated? Th- this is the movie I, when you say, "Ugh, here's a classic that I know is great, and my grandfather loves it, but I just can't get through it." Okay. This is the movie I think of. I wouldn't call it dated, but I could understand why you would consider it homework. It's homework. This movie's homework. I would not recommend this. To the casual young film goer. <laughs> Certainly not a mainstream film goer. Probably not. Well, I can't recommend you flip this on after Avengers Endgame. Let's put it that way. That's a completely different audience. <laughs> a movie that everyone's forgotten. <sighs> All right. Now what do I got to do, Adam? I don't know. It's up to you. I don't care. So obviously Lawrence of Arabia is the obvious choice, right? <laughs> sure. But you don't like it. No, I don't like it. I don't like the movie. That's 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 problematic though. I've already made my case. You know. right, go ahead and make your so you believe that that should get in why? It's just it's by far the best movie. It, it on both a technical level and just a storytelling perspective, it's remarkable. It does something that I don't think any these films like, make, like that movie you watch and you're like, oh my god, this is what cinema is capable of. And yeah, you don't get that out of anything. Honestly, the 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 only two that come close are Longest Day and Manchurian Candidate. And uh, in terms of what, just like oh my god, like like film is doing something kind of remarkable here, just with the way it kind of maneuvers the story or shows these characters off, so on and so forth. Like in a in a way that's kind of new or interesting, and you don't quite get that out of Lolita, even though it wanted to. You, you definitely don't get that out of Doctor No, and you 
only get like a tinge of that with To Kill a Mockingbird, in my opinion. Well, To Kill a Mockingbird is a more traditional theatrical yeah, type movie. Exactly. Right. It's a little more. It's far more accessible than those other three. Yeah. So, and, and in that movie, Lawrence of Arabia is just far more special in every way. And again, just doing something that I don't think any of these other films even come close to. And like I said, it's, it's groundbreaking for a reason. You know, this film is probably single-handedly responsible for Emmanuel Lubezki being a thing. So. No, a lot of cinematographers. Look, like, it's responsible for Star Wars. <laughs> I get it. It's an epic, it's massive scope. When you think epic, that's what you think of. Yes. This, this is, movie is sprawling. Yes. You know, and it covers a lot of the events of the time, but also Lawrence's character and his life and what he was about. Um, and that character, I, I'm sorry, but like that's the most interesting character out of anybody on this list. And that's the movie. It's the entire movie. He's fascinating. And, you know, he's still, I mean, there's a reason why this movie still kind of lives on today within, I guess, like, film scholar circuits anyway. And I'm, I'm sorry, but I think it just checks off all those boxes, more, more so than any of those other movies. Whether you like it or not, that's okay. <laughs> but it's up to you. All right, here's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm going to cross off Dr. No. That's fine. I'm going to cross off Lolita, and I'm going to cross off The Longest Day. Because I think those are the three weakest movies on the list. Um. Yeah. What's your argument against To Kill a Mockingbird? Uh, I mean, next to Lawrence of Arabia. Anyway, I don't know. It just it just feels. I mean, far more disposable next to that. I don't know how you could possibly call it To Kill. I don't a want to. It's not disposable, but next to that, I mean, disposable. One, why? Because it's smaller. I, I think even for, for the time, I mean, it's just, it's like one of those like super, super touching movies that just resonated with people, but it's, it's not like we didn't have movies like that at the time. I mean, those are kind of a dime a dozen. So I don't think the story of To Kill a Mockingbird is a dime a dozen. No, the story isn't. But again, I think the style is the, is the other thing. It's just not quite as distinct. I know how much you love your style, but let's look at substance for a second too. Okay, substance is a little more like like moving in anything in in that, in my opinion, at least with Lawrence of Arabia. I mean, I don't know. I just find I find Lawrence of Arabia to be infinitely more interesting. All right, here's what I'm going to do. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a generous guy. I'm crossing this off. Mm. Goodbye, Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> I did it. And you know what? I felt powerful. This felt like me getting revenge (laughs) 15 years later. (laughs) Oh, this feels the strike of the pen. I'm getting revenge on this movie for boring me as a child. Now you sound like Lawrence. 12 year old Nico (laughs) has never forgiven Lawrence of Arabia. This is this is a grudge that I've held for years and I'm finally doing it. And it felt good. That's felt sweet. Turn your fucking phone off. You're podcasting. No, I'm going to let it ring because you just crossed out my movie. You're <laughs> Here's what I'm, I'm turning it around, though, Adam. What's up? I'm going to let you make the call between the last two. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> the Manchurian candidate and To Kill a Mockingbird are left. I'd like you to make the call. Okay. Wow, there it is. <laughs> Not even thinking about the American classic. <laughs> <laughs> to Kill a Mockingbird is off the Manchurian Candidate. <laughs> Welcome. 
to the movie Hall of Fame. <laughs> wow. I love Lawrence of Arabia. I think To Kill a Mockingbird is an American classic. That I, I think you're right. To combine, we could not say anything bad about it, the two of us. <laughs> I think that's correct. I think it could be the better movie. <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'll hang with the Manchurian again. I'm good with it's it. It's fine. I'm yeah. good with it. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally okay. I think it's because it's the pleasant surprise of the bunch. Yeah. I'm totally... Fu- you know what? That made me very happy. Sure. That's a good, that's a good inductee. Sinatra. Yep. Cold War. We finally have Sinatra in the Movie Hall of Fame. It's about damn time. Good I'm have, good with that yeah. choice. Yeah. yeah. Good to have you, buddy. All right. Manchurian Candidate. <laughs> That's a good call. That's going to age very nicely, you know. <laughs> nice History one. will look kindly on that induction. I agree. Manchurian Candidate in the Movie Hall of Fame. <laughs> Lawrence Arabia was not going to get it. Not on my watch. Yeah, not on your watch. Not in my Movie Hall of Fame. I think if you didn't have autonomy here, it might have. you might have had to, to crack a little. No, it's too bad. That's okay. There it goes. It's okay, Nico. It's fine. I understand. I'm not complaining. I'm happy about this. Yeah, me too. Okay. <laughs> um, next week, we don't know what we're going to do. Not really. But we do have plans for a Stephen King podcast. Yes, it's about time. So Everyone's we, been asking for it. So let's just draft it. Right now? Let's do it. We said eight? Yes. We are expanding the list to eight nominees. Okay. Because there are a lot of Stephen King movies. And also, we've discussed some Stephen King movies in the past. So, we don't want to double dip. So, do you not want to induct it? It? No, I don't think it should be discussed. No, I would say it's one of the better Stephen King. Adaptations. Well, all right, let's let's just. But, do you want do you want me to go first? Sure. Okay. Uh, Shawshank. That would have been my first pick. Okay. Uh, The Shining. Well, we can't do The Shining. No, you put it in. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, we're doing how many? Eight. Eight. Okay. Okay. This is hard. <laughs> uh, Carrie. Good. Um, Green Mile, which we've also talked about. There's so many fucking Stephen King adaptations. There's a lot. Jesus Christ. Um, I will do The Mist. Good. I'm happy that you did that. Uh... Was that five now? Yeah. I'll do misery. They're missing an obvious one. I know. Let me think. <laughs> All right, I'll let you do it. I'll do stand by me. Go ahead. Okay. Oh God. So what do you want to do? What are my last Have fun with it? What are my last choices really? Have fun with it. You got creep show? Children of the Corn, Christine, Cujo, The Running Man. Do your thing, bro. I've tortured you enough today. Yeah, you have. 1408. (laughs) It Chapter 2. People are going to be mad if we don't put it on here, right? We definitely don't have to. We're not. We're not under no obligation. We have talked about it. Yeah, we've done many podcasts about it, and it's got no chance of getting in. Well, so. That's the thing. So go fun, have fun with it. Well, there's only one clear other inductee, uh-huh. and that's the Carrie remake. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, it's the Running Man. 
Word! The running man. Hell yeah! <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> yeah, the running man! <laughs> Let's go! Fuck yeah. What else is it gonna be? That was more obvious than you were making it I out. almost went Cujo. No. I almost went... I, 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 no, 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 no. I ride for Cujo. No, Cujo's, Cujo's pr- pretty solid, but if we have to narrow it down to at least one of those, it's fucking running man. Yeah, dude. Of course it is. All right. Next week, eight Stephen King movies. The Shining, Shawshank, Stand By Me, Misery, Green Mile, The Mist, The Running Man, Carrie. Solid list. Only one gets in. I don't know what it's going to be. I have a few ideas, but I don't know. I don't know. No, I mean, I'll I'll make a case for one. Uh Uh-huh. And and we'll we'll, we'll get there. We'll tackle this when it comes. But yeah, no, uh, I I, I I, I think I have my answer. I mean, okay. I, it's, I'm, I have my bias, but, you know, I have my answer. But there's certainly cases to be had for a few of these movies. There are some good Stephen King movies. Turns it's going to make me feel like shit when we don't induct uh, Stand By Me. Oh, well, that's okay. Like like that movie. <laughs> we, we, we're going to hell if we don't induct it. It may movie. have another chance. Maybe. That's the thing about the movie Hall of yeah. Fame is what's dead may never die. True. These movies always have a chance to get in somehow. Yeah. Like Superman. Yeah. So there we go. That's coming up. Um, we're going to see The Lighthouse at some point. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. There have been chatters of a Disney podcast, Disney animated podcast. Uh-huh. You never know what's around the corner. Check out the site, though. Uh-huh. TMT.media, too many thoughts, media.com for more of our shit. Yeah. Some good stuff up there. We have some good shit. Nick and I talked about John Travolta's The Fanatic. Mm. You were not there. Nick was in studio. You were filming a movie? Yep. We talked about that piece of shit of a movie. That's so bad. I wanted to be there. Watch the movie and listen along with us, and it'll feel like you were there. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, and that's it. Yeah, that's it. This is, this is fine. Yeah. Manchurian Candidate. We got a weird one in. I like, I like the weird ones, the unexpected ones. Yeah. I do, too. I think it's a great movie. Me, too. Okay. Uh, we'll be back. Yeah, we will. Hopefully, you will, too, Adam Hall. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I might just not show up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you pretend that I'm here? One day. Uh, and until next time. Well, there's only one. And you are? Bond. James Bond.